Few races can match the prestige of the Boston Marathon. It has served as the battleground for the best of the best, the goal of almost anyone who has ever attempted the 42.2, and the race that your relatives will ask you about if you've ever shown any interest in running at all. In a time when the term has been thrown around fairly loosely, the Boston Marathon is truly legendary, and a race that transcends far beyond the running world. When the runners told the line on Monday, April 20th, Kingston's own Dylan Wikes will be there, ready to put out his best effort. Dylan, currently the second fastest Canadian marathoner of all time, has been to the Olympics, the World Championships, but this, the Boston Marathon, will be a first for him. With so many factors out there, like the now-open Rio 2016 qualifying window, the much-talked-about Jerome Drayton Canadian Marathon record, and a now-healed stress fracture injury from last fall, this will be a race to watch, and Dylan a racer to watch. This week on the Terminal Mile, half an hour with Dylan Wikes, Canadian elite marathoner, before he takes on the mighty Boston Marathon. This is a Tracky Radio production. You were born in Kingston, which from all appearances now seems to be entrenched in running culture, uh, whether it be the physical team and the cross-country nationals taking place there for the next four years. Uh, talk to me about your experience growing up there. What got you into running and what kept you interested? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, physical wasn't established in Kingston uh, when I was growing up, but uh, I was just interested in doing all sports when uh, when I was in elementary school and got into to cross country that way. And then there was a, a pretty good track club, uh, a couple of different track clubs, but one uh, that was run by Dave Grant, who ended up being my high school coach. And, uh, so I, I just trained with, uh, that club kind of from grade seven or eight on and, and just got into it. And it was, it was great cause there was always good kids in the club, whether, uh, whether when I was in elementary school or in high school that were kind of a few steps ahead of me, a few years older than me that I would always chase. And, uh, they just kind of kept me motivated and made me realize that you could work harder and, and get faster. You know, speaking of your hometown, in a recent mini-doc about yourself, Bid Me Run, uh, it features Steve Boyd, the coach at Queen's University and uh, the coach of Physicult. You're living out in BC now. He's still in Kingston. What role does he play in your running? And is there anyone else from Kingston who you still draw from in your training? Yeah, so Steve was my coach for uh, for a number of years, from about 2005, uh, after I graduated from university, uh, until 2010 or so when I moved out here to be uh, coached by Richard Lee. But uh, you know, Steve was a big part of of uh, of me getting into road racing and into the marathon. So I, I still talk to Steve, uh, you know, every now and again. Uh, he's a wealth of of knowledge, and uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a good guy to to be able to talk to, just as a, a sounding board for for different things. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you didn't initially have your focus on the marathon. Uh, what made you want to do the 42.2? Uh, you know, what kind of craziness entered your head before you decided to do that? Yeah, it's funny. My my transition towards the marathon was kind of not really a natural progression in, in terms of running. I was I was still running post-collegiately, but uh, living in the States, uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, where I'd gone to university, and, and working a full-time job. So trying to run um, the summer track season and going over to Europe and stuff like that just never really uh, worked for me, and I was never committed enough 
to do it. You know, looking back in hindsight, I realized I wasn't committed enough to do it, but that kind of pushed me towards uh, doing road races in the New England area. And then uh, I just kind of really enjoyed doing those road races. And I went from running, you know, 5Ks and 10Ks to eventually saying, ah, maybe I'll do a half. And then after doing two or three halves, that went okay. I, just, I, just, I decided I wanted to do a marathon, and that was in 2007. So the 2008, 2008 Olympics were were on the horizon, and kind of that was kind of the big, the big goal at that point. Didn't happen, but uh, yeah, it, it it was what it was. Well, you know, uh, you, you mentioned 2007, 2008, um, and that goes hand in hand with uh, Rotterdam with your debut when you went 215.16, which is a, that's a pretty solid time, especially for a debut. Uh, what lessons did you take away from that race? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a good run. Going into that race, my goal was to run uh, 2.14. So there was like a rising star standard that Athletics Canada had at that point if you were of a certain age and hadn't made a major team before. And you ran 2.14, you might get a spot. So that was the goal. And, uh, you know, I, I, I trained really well and I was really naive. Um, but I think at the same time, uh, being coached by Steve Boyd, he had me well prepared. So I went out really hard in that race. I think I went out in 66 flat or so. Hmm. And, and so, um, you know, uh, I, I just kind of, I think I learned in that race to, to, to put yourself out there and, and not to have any regrets at the end of the day, because, you know, maybe if I ran a smarter race, I would have, uh, I would have run that 214 Cause I think I was in shape to do it. But, uh, at, at the end of the day, I did what I did and it was, uh, it, it, it was good to come away with the 215. So are you endorsing the Rob Watson fade from the front? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've done it myself a few times and it's, uh, it hasn't turned out too well. But uh, it's, it, you know, it's hard to say in the marathon. Uh, I, d- I do think there's something to be said for putting some, putting some time, uh, some money in the bank and, and being a bit ahead of schedule at halfway. Now, you've been to the Olympics, uh, placed 20th there. You also have put down the second fastest Canadian marathon time of all time with a 2.10.47 in Rotterdam, and you've raced in the World Championships. Uh, so you have a few to choose from. What would you say that your your best marathon has been so far? Yeah, I think my run in, in Rotterdam um, was probably my best performance. You, you know, the, the 20th in the Olympics was, was a pretty good run, but I think I was... Uh, I was kind of starting to fall apart a little bit in, in my training at that point because I had been going strong from preparing for the Toronto Marathon in, in the fall of 2011 and then Rotterdam in 2012. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would, I, I wished the Olympics was a stronger performance, but I think, uh, I think running 210 in Rotterdam was probably my best performance to date. Well, touching on the Olympics just a little bit more, how did it differ from other marathons that you've raced uh, as far as atmosphere goes and maybe even organization? And where does it rank on your all-time uh, list of marathon achievements? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said before, it's it's right up there with uh, with Rotterdam in, in terms of performance. In terms of an experience, it's by far, uh, you know, my, my favorite and uh, most memorable marathon experience because the, the crowds in London were it was just insane I remember 
you know, we started off on a stretch that wasn't hu- wasn't huge amount of crowds, and then we went through a, a kind of a archway and into into this these massive crowds after about 400 meters, and they were just going crazy. And I, I think I just kind of laughed to myself. I, I couldn't believe how uh, loud the crowds were, and it stayed like that for the entire race. It was it was wild. You know, it seems to be a question that begs to be asked every time the topic of Canadian marathoners are brought up. I doubt I even have to say it, uh, but what do you think really needs to happen for you to be to Jerome Drayton's Canadian marathon record? <laughs> Good question. I need to get healthy and, uh, uh, and be on top of my game. You know, when I ran 210 in, in Rotterdam uh, in 2012, uh, I had a good string of training for for two or three years, training and racing. And uh, since the Olympics, I, I, I've been unfortunate to, to be injured on several occasions. So I, I just haven't been able to build up that momentum to, uh, to get there. But I don't think, you know, it's funny for, for any of the guys, Eric, Reed, myself, even a guy like Rob, it's, it's not, uh, it's not out of the question. It's, we're, we're all knocking on the door, but the marathon's a tough, it's a tough event to train for, which I'm experiencing now. Uh, but it's, it's also tough when the, the gun goes off. There's so many variables that, that play into having that ideal race. And I think for all of us, it, you know, we're not light years faster than, than 210.09. So it has to be an ideal race for, for me. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of, of finding the right training and then finding the right race when, uh, when I know I'm ready. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you are in more temperate BC now. Uh, what are some other advantages that you found to living in that part of the country? Yeah, well, I mean, besides just being able to not not have to worry about the snow all year round, it's uh, it's it's good for your you know your access to uh, like some of the guys who are out here now. Their access to California for the spring track seasons, quick, really quick trip down there, and uh, you know you can bang out a couple good track races, and you don't have to worry about the travel. I remember when I was living in Ontario, I'd always worry about you know having to change so many time zones before a big race, big track race at Stanford or something like that. So that's great. And in terms of marathon running, being closer to Japan would, uh, would be, would be a big, big advantage that, uh, I tried to take advantage of once, but, but I'd like to get, get back there. And I mean, having, we've got a good, uh, group out here now. So there's lots of, lots of people to train with. So that's a great part of being, being in Vancouver for sure. For sure, but you uh, you can't discount the amount of really great cheese that is in eastern Ontario, though. Am, <laughs> am I right? Or? That's true. And you know what? The, the, uh, you know what else I'm missing right now is the maple syrup. I had a friend uh, who went back uh, went back east for a while, and their their parents um, make their own maple syrup. And I got her to bring me back a big jug because I mean you can get maple syrup out here, but I I used to like the experience of you know actually going to the to the sugar shack and eating a big thing of pancakes and then taking home some maple syrup for the year. But uh, it is what it is. You know, (laughs) I lived in that part of the province for a little while and we're a little bit off topic for right now, but Prince Edward (laughs) County, the best maple syrup festival anywhere. It's just an entire island of maple syrup breakfasts going on. It's a fantastic thing. Amazing. You know what? I miss Eastern Ontario just for that strict reason (laughs) alone. The cheese and the maple syrup. It's it's worth going. 
Uh, last episode, I talked with Kelly Weeb, a teammate of yours through the BC Endurance Project. Uh, he talked to me a bit about that program. Uh, I'd like to hear your take on it and perhaps why is it important to have projects like that? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's really good uh, to give guys and girls an opportunity, especially coming out of university, to have a bit of uh, a bit of structure when they're trying to stay in the sport post collegiately. It's uh, you know we get used to university programs, whether people go down to the states or stay in Canada. Regardless, there's there's good programs where you're you're treated well, and there's so much structure and there's so much provided, and then. Uh, you graduate and uh, you, you you often there's not much you don't know what to do so um, you know having a program like the BC Endurance Project where you know you've got uh, a coach who's paid to to coach and you've got a group of people to train with it kind of it gives you a purpose and you know hopefully we've we've got a little bit of funding and hopefully the funding continues and grows and it it just gives uh, yeah it kind of makes it uh, more of an opportunity to, to keep going. And, you know, there's been the group in Guelph that's been great for, for guys to development for years. And hopefully uh, now with, with this uh, BC Endurance Project here in Vancouver, it'll, it'll give other people uh, even more opportunity. You also operate Mile to Marathon Coaching Services, an online service uh, aiming to help those, especially, correct me if I'm wrong, who also, you know, may work a full-time job on the side, uh, getting moving and achieving all they can. Uh, talk to me a bit about that. Uh, and, you know, what kind of direction are you looking to head in with that? Yeah, so this has uh, been, a, been a fun kind of business venture that uh, I've gotten into with a good friend of mine, Mike Woods, who... I believe he's still the Canadian junior mile record holder um, and now is a professional cyclist, just showing what an amazing uh, talent he is. So anyway, we, he, was, he was into some coaching and uh, he asked me if I'd be interested and I, I just thought it would be great to, you know, to kind of share my enthusiasm and I guess knowledge and experience of, of the sport at this point with, uh, with everyone, you know, because whenever I would do talks for uh, around running events, a lot of the questions people asked me were very specific training questions, and I, I, that kind of surprised me that that they were that interested in in the details. And I can tell them about my training, but I don't want to just tell people to go out and and train like me. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's been fun to be able to kind of share my experience, but but also just help help people kind of realize their goals. I think that's a great thing about running is, is that, you know, people can have goals at, at any stage of the sport that they're in and being able to do the online coaching is, has helped me help people do that. Once you're done professionally running, is that kind of the direction you want to head in as well? Maybe take that on a little more full time? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's something that, uh, that I've been thinking more and more about as of kind of established a, a, a regular group of, of uh, athletes that I coach here in Vancouver. And it's fun to have that uh, face-to-face interaction. But uh, I, I also have my master's degree in, in epidemiology. And, uh, you know, that's, that's still something that I'm, that I'm interested in. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I'd, I'd love to see the, the, the coaching business uh, keep growing for sure. You mentioned uh, on on your website that part of the advantage to your service is that you have really good time management skills. Uh, you 
mentioned earlier that you worked a full-time job in the lead up to that debut marathon and uh well now you're a dad as well how did you uh how did you find time to manage all, all those things and how do you still find time to manage all those things in your training you know that's uh <laughs> that's a good question i feel like uh life working uh 40 hours a week uh was was easier than than life as life as a dad now but you know yeah it's just like I always found when I was working full time and training for the marathon, it it was really you just had to be had to be diligent with uh, with scheduling your days, and that that was a little more predictable than now being a dad, where where uh, you know maybe baby doesn't want to go down for a nap when you when you want her to, but uh, it's it, you know it's something that uh, that you battle with, and uh, hey, there's lots of uh, lots of parents out there that uh, that are successful athletes, so it's all good. The Terminal Mile presents interval sessions. Ten quick questions with ten quick answers. Are you a music in sort of guy on long runs? Yeah, yeah, I do. I listen to uh, my iPod when I'm when I'm on long runs. Just as a bonus question, uh, who do you listen to the most? Oh, probably right now a band called Churches. I don't okay, I've heard of them, but Scottish band, kind of I don't know, electronic kind of alternative rock mix so it's good it's good stuff keeps you going what's your favorite shoe to train in uh the mizuno wave sayonara website that you spend too much time on oh probably that's run.com <laughs> <laughs> uh favorite runner of all time past or present favorite runner of all time that's a good question i'm you know what I think I'm going to go with uh, Haley Gebrselassie. When I was a kid growing up, he was uh, he was doing his thing on the track, and that was pretty exciting. Race that you're most proud of? Uh, probably running uh, 210.47 in, in Rotterdam in 2012. Are you a dog person or a cat person? I don't have either as a pet, but uh, I would more so be a dog person. I could see myself one day having a dog, r- running with the dog. What's your favorite running movie? Ooh, tough one. I most recently I saw Transcend, and that was uh, that was really good. Props to uh, to Mike Del Monte and those guys. So I'm gonna go with that. Favorite race distance? You know, every time I run a marathon, I'm like, uh, geez, why why am I doing this? So I'm gonna go with the half marathon. <laughs> Uh, preferred career choice post running? Well, I have a master's degree in uh, epidemiology, so. I could see myself uh, after all this running and said and done, shifting back into uh, into that and, and doing that long term. Favorite place to train? Probably Vancouver, where I live now. It's uh, got some some awesome trails and it's nice, uh, pretty good weather all year round. So it's it's a great place to be. With uh, Boston going down next week, uh, this is your first race since you've gotten since you got bitten by the injury bug last year. Uh, talk to me a bit about that injury and what has it been like coming back from that? Yeah, so I uh, had a stress fracture in uh, my fibula uh, last summer. And uh, coming back from that was, you know, I took the time off that you usually need to take for for bone to heal. And, and I got back into decent shape kind of uh, around November, December. Um and then since then, I've kind of dealt with uh, some some stuff with the hamstring um, that that is just kind of interrupted training every now and again. But you know, with Boston on the horizon, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to get there and have the opportunity to race there. And and hopefully, you know, on the day I can uh, I can put something together that uh, 
that, that will be good and we'll kind of get the ball rolling again for uh, moving forward. It seems like a large part of training for the marathon is avoiding injury. Uh, I mean, we have Reed Coolset who is back after a really nasty one this, this past fall as well. It seems that uh, Eric Gillis, uh, I've heard some things that he's playing, playing it safe coming off an injury. And, uh, well, Rob, he's had his fair share as well. How do you avoid being injured in your buildups? And is that something that's always kind of on your mind? Yeah, it's funny. Up until, uh, I guess, up until after the Olympics, uh, I had a good string without injury. Um, and I didn't even think about <laughs> I didn't even think about injuries. But now uh, it's been an up and down few years. And, yeah, it's tough to uh, it's tough to to, to ride the, that. It's like a fine line that you have to ride when you're training for uh, for the marathon. And sometimes you you know it's it's hard to know whether you've gone over the line or, or whether uh, or whether you're being too conservative in your training. You know, it, it's it's always hard. You never want to only be giving 80, 90 percent. But I think. I think there's times of the years where that's uh, that's really necessary, and I think guys like uh, Reed and, and and Eric have figured that out. Where they they're really good at uh, kind of cycling uh, their training and giving themselves good good periods of rest throughout the year to to let their bodies recuperate, and then uh, when their body's ready to go, they push, and and when it's not, they they know to back off. So it's 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 something that's very very hard. Uh, when you're so highly motivated and when you have such big goals to uh, to, to learn, but it's it's all part of the game. Uh, Boston is a race that is steeped in so much history. Uh, for example, there's a really good piece right now on Runner's World about the uh, 82 duel in the sun between Salazar and Beardsley. Uh, do you have a favorite Boston Marathon that you draw inspiration from? Yeah, I've I've read the uh, the book about the the duel in the sun, and so. Uh, and I've kind of followed those those two guys, and so that that's probably my um, favorite Boston is is that uh, that year in '82. Those guys they're just, just like unbelievable, just relentlessly kind of hammering away at each other, and it's uh, it's pretty cool to to see. And it's it, you know the marathoning back in the '80s, they just they just seemed to have a different attitude and different approach to it. They just kind of threw caution to the wind and. And went for it, and I wish uh, <laughs> I wish I could I could be like that more often. It's pretty cool to see. Oh, definitely. You know, if it, they mention that uh, that Salazar, that was kind of almost the beginning of the end for him. You, you know, is that something on your mind? You know, if you could throw pretty much every other marathon kind of out the window for like one last really really good one at, at Boston, would you do it? I think so. I think, you know, Boston is huge and it's, uh, you know, it's one that I would not want to end, you know, my, my marathon career, not having done and not having really raced up, up to my potential. So, you know, I, I would, yeah, I would put it right up there with, with something that needs to, needs to be done in my, in my career for sure. You know, it's such a legendary race that transcends far beyond the running world. Uh, is that part of what's motivating you to run it? Is it kind of like a bucket list race for you? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's on the bucket list for sure. And it's, uh, you know, it was, it was good, good timing this year. And, uh, I wanted a race where I didn't really have to think about, uh, Drayton's record at all in my training or, or in the race. I can just go in there and compete. So it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting. 
When Boston is mentioned, often it's followed by mention of the Heartbreak Hill. Uh, what do you think? Is that all hype or is that something that you've gone out of your way to almost train specifically for in this race? Yeah, yeah. I've definitely um, trained for the hills in Boston. It's funny because uh, when I used to live in Providence in the New England area, I did a race or two that incorporated that hill as part of uh, like a 10K. And it didn't seem that crazy of a hill in a 10k race but i know once you're at 20 miles and you've had three or four big hills before it um that it's you know it is a heartbreaker so i've been uh trying to do some tempo runs on hilly hilly routes and and uh stuff like that to to get ready but i you know i don't know if there's if you can always do enough because anytime i talk to people who have trained for boston and run boston there's so much different advice people give you on how to prepare some people say it doesn't matter don't worry about the hills just be fit other people say oh you got to run a bunch of downhill stuff to get ready and other people tell you to do uphill repeats so it's it's we'll we'll see we'll see how it all plays out you know with that olympic qualifying window now open but you know also taking into consideration that you're coming off your stress fracture what goals do you have in mind for boston yeah it's hard to say like i said but you know i uh, mentioned before my training hasn't been as consistent as i would have hoped uh leading into to the race next week but it's uh you know it's it's still something where i want to go in and, and put in a, as good a race as i can uh, and it's you know on paper it's a really deep field so it's hard to say you know top top 10 top 15 maybe is is a good goal for me right now as a as a stepping stone towards uh you know towards future races once this is done uh, what are your plans race wise for the rest of the year is you know rio 2016 that's something still on your radar yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely on the radar, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure of my plans um, for the rest of the year. I would really like to uh, try to get back on the track to some extent, and uh, I feel like I've gotten away from that uh, the last few years with kind of a cycle of injuries and trying to get back from injury just to run a marathon. I haven't found the time to uh, to hit the track. I'm getting old, but uh, I'd still I'd still like to do that, and then. Uh, you know, ho- hopefully hit uh, hit a qualifier for Rio uh, for the marathon at, at some point. You know, it's something that I've heard a few marathoners say uh, that they have X amount of good marathons left in them. Is that a philosophy that you have? And if so, how many? <laughs> Not really. It's funny. I, I, someone asked me the other day how many marathons I'd run, and I, I actually didn't have the answer for them without <laughs> going through in my head. So um, I haven't put a limit on the number um of good ones you can run because i don't even know how many i have run but uh i you know i think if look at a guy like meb i'm sure you know six years ago he would have told you he'd he'd run enough good ones and then he's run five more good ones since so it's uh it's really hard to say and i think if you just like if you can be consistent and stay injury free and 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 just get in a, a good rhythm that that uh I think you can just keep knocking them off. So hopefully I've got a few more left in me. I've got to have at least at least one to qualify for Rio and uh, one in Rio and maybe a few after that. So i got to have at least four, four more good ones in me. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, with, you know, Boston being on your bucket list. What other marathons are on that list? Yeah, I'd love to do uh, New York as well. New York's... Uh, 
uh, it's just such a historic um, event. And you know, I'd love to go back to uh, back to Japan and try another one there. Maybe Fukuoka or uh, or Tokyo. Those are two two great races as well. And uh, you know, I I would love to have my hand at uh, at trying to run. Uh, well in a, in a world championship uh, marathon too it's uh, you know all the focus is always on the olympics and and rightly so uh, but i'd love to get in great shape and and be able to tackle a a, a different championship uh, marathon finally touching back on that mini documentary uh, bid me run it's a reference to the shakespeare quote uh, bid me run and i will strive with things impossible what does that phrase mean to you personally yeah, you know, I just it's uh, I love that you know the, the running was incorporated in in the quote, and I just think it's my running has always been about uh, you know striving for these for these big goals, and at times they probably were ridiculous goals that weren't possible, and but uh, you know you just kind of have to believe you have to believe in them and, and just set your heart to doing them and, and, uh, and go for it. And so I think that's, uh, you know, that's really what the, what the, how the quote resonates with me is just, uh, believing in yourself and, and, and pushing for those, those big goals. Before you go, is there uh, anyone that you'd like to mention any maybe companies, uh, that probably would like to be mentioned? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got, uh, a great team of support behind me running is, uh, it's, it's a tough, tough sport to, uh, to to make a go at without, uh, having good support. And uh, I'm fortunate uh, to have been sponsored by Mizuno since 2008. And they've been, uh, they've been awesome to me and, uh, and four runners, uh, here in Vancouver that's owned by, uh, Peter Butler. Uh, they're great at supporting me, uh, on my road along the way to hopefully another Olympics. And so, yeah, it's, uh, they're great. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm now working with a company called North star organics myself and, and Rob Watson. It's a uh, sports strength that, uh, that we're endorsing. And it's a, uh, it's a great product and it's been fun to, to be involved with them too. Well, thank you uh, very much for, for taking uh, the time to be on the show today. Dylan Wikes will be running the Boston marathon next week. Uh, we'd also like to thank you for, for taking care of Rob Watson, making sure that he's not homeless at any time when he's in Vancouver. <laughs> uh, and of course, we, uh, we bid you run. Great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Thanks always to Dylan for taking the time to answer all my questions, and best of luck to him and every Canadian running Boston. Thanks also to Tracky for their ongoing support, and to you for listening. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Tracky.ca, and on Twitter at The Terminal Mile. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. <laughs> <laughs>